Zenicon has clinched their spot in the NCAA tournament. What a moment for the goals. Home opener starts off with a bang. In Endicott history, the Gulls have won the CCC title. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Ultimate Goal. Cody Shalafu, Evan Alfano, as always, and our wonderful producer, Jayra Bray. And folks, if you listened last week, you understood that there are games. And if you listen to this one, you'll understand that we'll tell you about them. It was fun. We had uh, hockey uh, here, uh, women's ice hockey, as well as men's and women's basketball. Unfortunately, the men's hockey team did not get to participate this weekend, but hopefully, or last weekend, but hopefully this weekend when you're listening to this, uh, they'll be able to get it going. So it was fun. Evan, you were over there at hockey. How will you tell us uh, how that was? I was over at the arena. I'd done one game prior. Uh, the state, state, the conference championship for the women's team last year. Again, both teams, men and women, are defending conference champions. Um, this is the first year that the CCC has a conference uh, for women's hockey. Uh, I was they were currently in the CHC, but they moved over starting this season. Um, Suffolk was also who again Anikop played uh, Suffolk last weekend for all sports. Um, this is the first meeting in conference for all these teams. It's cool. Suffolk uh, just joined the CCC starting this year, uh, which, made, which gave the CCC 10 uh, teams in total. So that was pretty cool. Um, in terms of the women's game, both have really new programs. This is Suffolk, I believe their third season as a program. Endicott, not too long before started their program. So it was the first time they'd ever played, which is another cool little fact. Um, and it was a good game. We had scoring all three periods i have it up on my phone because i cannot get on the website on my laptop and any sir uh anyway so here we are um yeah i was down on the right at the, the ice level bit of a tough view because i'm right next to uh the visiting bench so i cannot see half the rink when i'm broadcasting the game but i do what i can but yeah we had again four two there's a lot of uh young goalies for endicott uh, Michael O'Brien was in goal for the game on, I think it was Saturday. Um, she's a sophomore, uh, played really well at 17 saves. She actually made, I was looking at her stats from her freshman year, 48 saves in a game last year, which is nuts. Wow. And awesome. then a win, which is, so that was cool. Um, so yeah, she played really well. And we had four different goal scores, which is awesome, uh, awesome to see. So Kaylee Liberty scored. Catherine Miles, Ashley Jones, and J.C. Kuhlman, old goals. And the biggest storyline from that, it was Coach Andrew McPhee's 100th victory with the uh, program. And he's the first and only coach in program history. What he's done to completely build a program from nothing to consistent contenders in the conference, again, the defending conference champions, and he's already got his 100th win. Is, it was crazy. So that was a cool little – Nugget from the last game. And, yeah, it was a really good game. Endicott trailed 2-1 early in the second period and uh, brought it back, played a really good third period. I was trying to scramble to figure out if there's an overtime period or not. So I did this once before. Cody, you might remember this. I did this once. You can't talk about overtime in a tie game. Or no. Oh, goodness gracious. And we so would... I brought it up, and Rinaldi, Anthony Rinaldi hit me. 
And luckily, as he should have, if you he said didn't that, hit me. like that's yep. rule number one: never mention extra time, or we're fist fighting. Like there isn't. I yep. have things to do. I love doing this. I have things to do though. So yeah, there was there was more fighting in the press box than on the ice. But luckily, <laughs> we had two goals in the third period, and the cock came away the victory, which is awesome. And then uh, they played the next day, so it was Saturday, Sunday. That was the Saturday game. Sunday they were at Suffolk, um, and won two to one. So good undefeated weekend for women's hockey. Yeah, I mean, hey, going 2-0 to start it off, that's pretty good. I mean, like you said, four different goal scorers in that first game. If you look, take a look at the second game, they won 2-1 to there at Suffolk. Like you said, every sports team played Suffolk. Um, that did play, excuse me. But J.C. Kuhlman and Megan Francis got some more. Um, Tabitha Francisini, she had a few assists in that first game and then another one there, so she's doing a great job at getting her teammates involved. But like you said, um, Endicott's come a long way in their women's uh, hockey program, and they're, they're just a powerhouse. I mean, they could come to the CCC and take that by storm as well. Uh, like you said, defending champions uh, in, this, in the Colonial Hockey League last year, now into the CCC. So they're, they're, they're a wagon as well. I mean, they're insane. Uh, so they're, they're going to be fun to watch. And obviously for someone who, who might not watch hockey like myself like that, I mean, they're still a fun, fun brand to watch and to, to get going and seeing them play all together. So it's great that they're in and then 2-0. I mean, I think they're the only – yeah, they're the only team that went 2-0 last weekend as um, – Endicott's women basketball dropped both and men's basketball split against Suffolk. So they're, they're, right now they're the cream of the crop on campus. So do you guys know why they switched to the CCC this year specifically? Was like, was there a reason? What is it? Is this the first year CCC's doing ice hockey or we, we just weren't a part of it before? Um, I mean, in terms of like ice hockey and then something like ice hockey. Yeah. It's the first season. I think something to do with other teams in the CHC, I think, moving. I don't want to say too much. I'm not 100 sure. Um, I know Suffolk just made it an even 10. I, I do think uh, they were looking for a 10 team. And they – I think they looked at a, uh, multiple schools, the CCC, who to add as the 10th, and Suffolk was the one that came out. So, I think that's was the reasoning there. But, um, yeah, again, having that um, new conference. I did notice – I was going to call – I'm throwing people under the bus right now. The Colonial Hockey logo is still at the bottom of the Endicott Athletic Oh, website. no. Nobody plays in it anymore for Endicott. So, oh, Lord. what's you going on? You have to on? contact Sean. Got to get on top trouble. of it. Sean, <laughs> oh. we're calling you out. Yeah. Do your job, buddy. Do your what's job. How would you do that? I'm coming for it. That's worry about us all the time. How about you worry about you? <laughs> <laughs> don't start none won't be none no but uh I, i'm almost three 30 positive that this is like the first year ccc is offering ice hockey or it was just eight and then we jumped first season for women's ice hockey yes i want yeah i want to yeah. say it's the first women's because the men were in the CCC. yeah first. men were in it i think right now the only sport like the only team sport that isn't part of the ccc is men's volleyball it's in the NECC, which I don't know the story there. But, hey, maybe you listen this sat Sunday, you'll find out. Um, we do have men's volleyball this Sunday against number one ranked Springfield. So, if you listen to this on Friday or Saturday, whenever this comes out, Sunday is the, where you want to be, on your couch or wherever you are listening to me not know how volleyball works. Um, 
the number one ranked broadcaster, the number one ranked volleyball team. It's everything you want a Sunday afternoon. And Evan, you're, not, you're not doing the game, though. No, sir. Ooh. So it won't be the number one ranked broadcaster. I'll stick with Beverly High School volleyball. That's, That's where the level. real action's at. Fun fact. <laughs> That's where the real action's at. Um, FKM Sports on YouTube. Fun fact. But, yeah, ice hockey did great this weekend. How was it inside the gym for you, Cody? Oh. Oh my goodness gracious. It was fun. I mean, the first game we got to do both, I mean, both teams played well this weekend. Um, like we mentioned before, women's basketball uh, did not win either of their games this weekend, but they still played well. They still had a, a strong showing. Um, offensively in that first half for them, we'll start, uh, we'll start with the men's team first because we might have some surprise for you later on in the podcast. Um, uh, but men's team, they started off, uh, they lost the first game against Suffolk. They allowed like a 20-something to six run, which Suffolk kind of just like coasted. And Suffolk was going on a, a tear. They had uh, one kid, uh, Jacovides, Alex Jacovides, he scored 30 back-to-back games. So, And they were averaging, coming into that game, like over 100 points, well over 100. Like they murdered Nichols both times. And Nichols is the reigning CCC champs. So obviously, they lost a couple key players, but – they put up points against Nichols and then they came here or they beat Endicott in Boston and they put up points there. Um, but they came here, it was a high 90s. So they still put up the points, but Endicott just put up a few more and ended up being a 95 91 game. Ty Vitko, who's coming on, like he was a seat, uh, freshman last year, didn't play a bunch. I mean, he played a, a, a good amount, but you know, it was like 10 minutes here, eight minutes there, five minutes there. But he's a starter this year. And it, he's he's fantastic. I mean, he's he put up 19 and 18 those two games, so sitting at a, a Q 18 and a half. Uh, he's shooting phenomenally from the field. He's in the high, he's in the 60s and then 40s for three. He had a cold-blooded three, as I described it, to win the game. I mean, he was fantastic. Matt McDevitt is the player that we want. Like, he's supposed to keep up the scoring load now that Keith's gone. Uh, Keith Brown, the all-time leading scorer here in the cut, he put up 26 in a double-double. Um, the interesting move that I saw, Jordan isn't starting anymore. And Jordan, oh. like he gets the most men off the bench. I mean, the one thing I love about Jordan, I've said this since his freshman year, he has a great ability to determine pace. And pace in basketball is very important, especially when you get into that, into those really serious games. And you see it in the NBA, you see it in college basketball, the teams with the best half-court offenses who can go slow and still be productive, those are the teams that you see in June. Those are the teams you see in late March. Those are the teams that do well. And Jordan's so great at knowing when to run, when to slow it down, when to control the offense. But this year he's on the bench, but I, I honestly think it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty decent move because I think you have Billy and Jalen as your two starting guards. And they can put uh, – Billy is also very good at, at pace and passing the ball. He's had seven assists plus in nine career games over the probably 30 or so he's played. So he, he does a lot what Jordan does, but I think he's also a better outside scorer. Jordan kind of struggles with his outside shot. He's more of a passer, more of a defender than he is a scorer, even though he hit two big threes. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah, those, those are huge threes. I mean, he's still playing uh, like yeah. big minutes. He's still getting about 20 minutes a game. And he also is playing in those closeout moments, kind of like how like the Celtics would use Marcus Smart. He would come off the bench, but he'd play a lot in the fourth quarter for them. Um, and then Jalen obviously can shoot from anywhere. He was one of the best scorers in the conference last year as a freshman. 
I mean, he, he struggled a little bit last game. He didn't have a point in the first half until he went off for 10 in the second half, which was good for him. And then you have McDevitt, obviously, he's going to start. And then you have Vitko, who's playing out of his mind. And then you have Dylan Grant, who's not getting a ton of minutes. He's a 6'9 dude. I mean, that's the size we haven't seen since Nick Tebow and when Tebow was here. And he can stretch the floor a little bit. The one thing that he's struggling with is he's not playing a bunch because he just isn't defending well inside. And I think that when you have that height, you kind of expect you to like defend inside. He just really hasn't so far. He's only played about 20 minutes total in his first two games. I don't know what the deal is there, but they went on a run. They went on a run. They were down by 13 points at one point. I think it was like about six or so minutes left. And they just flicked the switch and went on a, a, a huge like 31 to 14 run or something and ended up winning. So they, they played fantastic. I mean, the, the, the guys, they played great. I mean, the, as a first game to see them play since they lost in that heartbreaker, Evan, you and I were there. That was just yeah. heartbreaking to watch them lose like that, especially like obviously we keep it kind of bipartisan. We don't really pick a side on our broadcast. We try to, to call both teams as a neutral party, but it still stings a little bit. Yeah, it was it was hard. I was kind of keeping our emotions in check because I wanted to give that big – sigh at the end of the game when they don't win but you just you stay excited for Nichols we had Nichols fans right next to us we're up in the bleachers so that was nuts we we had to be couldn't be biased with the fans right there so that made it a little easier the creepiest thing ever that that place was packed that was that championship (laughs) weekend was packed I remember an hour before I normally get there an hour before the game which is a little more than they ask normally it's like 45 minutes to a half hour we're supposed to be there I'm always there an hour before the game because you know I'm punctual that's a word I learned today but there was a line bending across yeah. oh yeah and I was like I had it by pass which I was supposed to give back didn't don't tell anybody did you have to go you did you push your way through I did I just I, I kind of sawed my way through I hit him with the excuse me I coming through. I loved, we lost some I good manners. Of course. Love that. <laughs> Love that. I had much better luck because I knew someone that was working the game. So he was outside, I think, waiting for a ref to show up. They had their own door oh, so like, with, with their the own locker room. Doors? So he let me through the ref's door. Ah. So I walked through the locker room and had like this awkward <laughs> moment where you kind of the refs and I just stared at each other because what was I doing in there? Getting kind of said hi and and walk past. So I was able to get through the entire line because I got there and bad. we had to get up to the booth and it's like prep. We had some things to do and I was a little late because I'm never on time. I'm always a minute or two behind. <laughs> but so I was kind of like, there's no way I'm pushing through this line because people were already getting a little pushy like at the door. I'm like, how am I, you know, Cody's bigger than me. He's taller. He can push his way through. I was like, Mm-mm. so I, I lucked out. Call yeah. me fat, Alfano? No, but I um... said taller. I threw that in there. <laughs> I, yeah, sure, I have no right to talk. I'm pretty sure that day I was working for contest management. I was actually working the door. Oh, so goodness. I was, I, I forget if I was marking people's hands or using the clicker to see how many people we had. So that was pretty stressful because people obviously when we open the doors up, people want to get the best seat. They want to be the first ones in the, in the gym. So it was definitely hard to get everyone's like marking on their hands. Cause without the marking, they couldn't go back in the gym. Uh-huh. So that was pretty funny, but yeah, that place was packed. I definitely liked being on the, on the outsides of the, of the court watching. 
yeah, but it, it was mad cool because like again like we're a smaller college we don't typically get those like huge crowds like that but that was fun and like the creepiest thing evan you were there we were doing some again we were doing some little extra prep right before the game and they were doing um lineups they were announcing lineups and all the Nichols fans stand up and face the other way they put their back towards what yeah. when the other team and i didn't know they did that so i'm sitting there writing something down i look up and there's everyone staring at me i was like whoa yeah. <laughs> i literally jumped back i was like uh and then they're like all nodding me. i was like why are you nodding at me leave me alone and there was wasn't there like one guy who was asking us questions like in the middle of the broadcast he was like right next to you I oh some guy came up and i think sean had to like shoo him away <laughs> if i run correctly but like what, it I was think, the yeah. exact opposite environment as it was basically just me and a few other people that had to be there, which is obviously it's a little different. It's a little weird. It's a little obviously would love to have, again, no fans are allowed. So that's just how, it, how it's going. But it's such a drastic change in environments from the last time I was, I was calling basketball, but it was still mad fun. I mean, it was still great. It was a great game. They came back. We had some good calls. We had some, we had some good fun. It was just great to be back. So if you haven't heard, which you definitely haven't, because we haven't said it, so how would you hear if we haven't said it yet? Coach Julia Duggan is going to be on with us later for the interview part, and she's going to talk women's basketball right after we talk women's basketball. And it was fun. That was the first game back. That was the first team to play 359 days. The last team to play on campus was men's baseball versus St. Joe's, Maine on March 10th. So just about a year ago from today, recording this on Crazy. Thursday, was the last time. So we had that. It doesn't matter what happened in that game. We could have lost by 140. We could have won by 140. It was a special game because, you know, it's, it's back. Like, we're back. Like that was the first sign of normalcy coming back. Um, to the game, which was awesome. We ended up losing that game and the kind of losing that game, which was, which was kind of a heartbreaker. Um, they started off fantastic. They had about 40 something points going at halftime and women's basketball tends to score a little bit lower than men's basketball. So that was fantastic. But then the second half happened and I don't think Endicott really played well, especially offensively. If you look at by quarter, they went 17 and 17 in the first quarter, 24 in the second quarter, which is great. And they scored five points and eight points. Not I, mean, I think when you lose as much as they did, obviously Emily Pratt, Kaylee Potter, Michaela oh, Rogers, that's really the majority of your yeah. scoring from a season ago, your captains, your leaders, you're going to go through growing pains. And I think that's kind of what part of the season is going to be is you've got a young team. Um, you've got, some good young players. And it's just kind of about finding the right pieces. Where do people go? Figuring out lineups. These type of losses are going to happen. It's just kind of, it's how you build a team. Um, I think they're obviously going to continue to be very good. Um, but that's, again, we saw, we saw flashes in that first half of what this team can be. Yeah. And if you really look at all the stats, like Endicott was winning in most of the stats where you look back and say, maybe they lost because of this, like offensive rebounds, they gave up 13, which is not great. But they also got 13. So, and they beat them on the boards. I think it was just the turnovers. I think what happened, they just went away from their offense, I think. I mean, like you said, you lose your three best players probably from a year ago. So you lose your three best players from last year. And then 
arguably. And then you, ha you do still have some good pieces. I mean, you have some pieces who are, I mean, uh, Tara LaGenny not playing was a factor. But you have Olivia Duncan who started a lot of games last year. If Emily St. Thomas was one of the best freshmen last year in the conference, and she's, she's a flamethrower. Like, she can get on the court and just give you points like that. Like, she, got, she poured in 15, which was a team high. And she did that. I think I wrote down a stat in her last five games since in February on. The last five games where she got 10-plus minutes, she scored 10-plus points. Wow. So you give her opportunity, she's going to score. So her starting and her getting the most minutes on the team, especially a team that hasn't, wasn't shooting well and wasn't scoring well, even last year you can say, like, scoring-wise, like, they went through slumps. Uh, Shannon Gilbert in her senior day, she played great. I think it just, they just went away from their offense. They got two three happy. They only shot – they shot 34 threes, which is not characteristic of them. I mean, that's a, what the men's team does. and They do that well. But the women's team does not shoot threes that much. They shot okay. They shot about 33%. Uh, but I think they just got away – they hit a couple, and they just stayed with it. You know? So, I mean, I mean there could be a proof. It's their second game. They lost 61 to 48 that time. Uh, and, again, scoring struggles. They didn't get above 15 and a quarter. And they were under 10 in one of those quarters. So, I mean, they're, they're a good team. We expect them to be good. We expect them to compete. Um, obviously, you lose a lot of that firepower, like you said, Evan, and you have to make that up somewhere. Only season growing pains. Yeah. And, and we'll I mean, see. I'd be very intrigued to see kind of how this weekend, if what changes they're able to make. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this would be a good test against Nichols, who was in the bottom of the conference last year. Um, but has some players who are coming along. So that would be a good good measuring stick game to see where, where, where Endicott would be. Um, and obviously in a regular season, we don't know how many games these teams are going to play in the winter. Um, so we're just thankful we have two more coming up, and that's kind of how we're, we're, we're keeping it. Um, we'll have to see who's, who steps up. I mean, you have players, Casey, uh, Cassie Caldwell played really well the first time we've seen her. Um, she played really well in her first two games. Uh, Lexi Yellerman off the bench. She's fantastic. She's a great rebounder for her size, by the way. She's uh, probably plays like a small forward power forward, and she gets about six boards a game, which is going to help for this team. Uh, Mariah Chamberlain and Morgan Bresnahan, seeing how they're going to play together and play off of each other. I think that's going to be a fun rotation to watch uh, throughout the year. Obviously, St. Thomas and uh, Shannon Gilbert, who's now the de facto leader of the team. I mean, we we're Class, we probably have class. I've had classes with Shannon. I know Evan, you have had classes with Shannon as a sports management major, and it's fun to see her her growth. I mean, she came in as one of those three and D type players, and now she's the leader. She's supposed to be the number one number one gal. So that's what happened this weekend. And stay tuned with us, folks. As right now, we have the interview with Coach Julia Duggan. Well, welcome back to the interview section of tonight's Ultimate Goal episode. And we have a very special guest, co assistant coach of the women's basketball team, Coach Julia Duggan. Coach, thank you for coming on with us. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right. So first, we kind of wanted to start off just asking you kind of how you're feeling about going into this year or this season, um, especially after last season, um, kind of being cut short. Um, how are you guys feeling as coaches? How is the team feeling about the season? Oh my goodness. Well, it's just a lot of mixed emotions right now. You know, it's not a normal year. It's not what we were expecting. Um, but just to be able to have the girls in the gym, be out on the court, masked up, social distancing, doing whatever we can to play. It's, 
it's rewarding to see that with all that they're doing with getting tested and being safe and everything like that, just to have them out there and coach them up. It's, it's weird, but it's, it's really nice to have them back out there. Yeah. Um, so before that, like before you guys knew that you guys were going to be playing games, kind of how were you and the other coaches feeling? Like, were you nervous about having to have the restrictions in place and kind of like, how did you break those barriers to make it successful? Like now, I guess. Um, well, it was an interesting task. You know, we were in the pods and we had the phases and everything like that. Like, what are we going to do to kind of, you know, keep it to somewhat of a normal year, get them in there working on fundamentals and everything like that while staying within the restrictions that we were given or the guidelines that we were given. And, you know, we really got to hammer home the fundamentals, you know, the footwork, the passing, the, all of that um, in the beginning. And then once we were able to, in this semester, move to, um, you know, contact, it was, it was a little bit easier. And then once it was everybody together as one pod, it, it was just like a normal practice. So um, challenging at first, um, even with kind of trying to find interesting ways to keep them engaged the whole time, mm -hmm. especially when we didn't have the games on the schedule, it was like, it was kind of like, you know, what are we playing for? Like, right. what are we coming to practice for? And um, them coming together to be like, so that we can be together out on the court and us finding fun, different ways to, to keep them engaged. How does it feel? I think I said 359 days since the sport was played on Enica. You guys broke the seal on that. You guys were the first team to play at home, uh, that afternoon. How that has to feel something a little special. Oh my God. It did. It was just like, even game prepping, like getting everything ready in the gym, getting all the sheets ready to take notes on the bench, like making sure we're ready to do the book, you know, all that. It was just, it was kind of surreal. Like we didn't like know when this was going to happen and to be the first team to be able to do that. It was really, it was, it was exciting. Yeah. And as exciting as winning a CCC championship. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely that takes the cake on that yeah, one I mean that, that was a, that was a fun season you were the number one seed the year before and that was when it's like all right this team's here I mean you have Pratt as the player of the year that year as, as a junior you have Putnam and Rogers as a junior as well and you ended up losing in the championship game that year then coming into the next year you guys were the three seed you had to go through Roger Williams at Roger Williams I believe it was Roger Williams correct yeah and that was a fun game. That was a back and forth game. I think Putnam iced it with a couple of free throws down the way. And that must have been. Then you're back on your home court and you win it all for the first time. And then you have Evan Alfano's famous call with the dancing <laughs> shoes. Then you win a tournament. Just that whole weekend, then that like how how was that? Oh, it was it was great because you know, I came in that year after they lost in the championship and you know, the first meeting that we had with them is like, you know, we have something to prove. Like we have a chip on our shoulder. Like that was taken from us. Yeah. Um, so they just, once the season started, once we were able to get them out onto the court and they were just ready to go. Pratt, KP, Mick, they were like, this is it. Like we are going all in, all in or nothing. Um, so, you know, I've kind of taken over the player development of the team and really the girls have taken to that also, um, getting into the gym outside of practice, individuals, just 
becoming gym rats. And I love it. I absolutely love it. At the D3 level, you don't really find it that often. You really don't. Um, But just the passion that they had to get better and really get back to that exact same spot and beyond was amazing to see, especially in my first year. But um, yeah, it was, that was an amazing (laughs) feeling. It really was. And just to see the smiles on all of their faces, like even the seniors, it was just, it was, I was just happy to be there and help them get to that place again. I actually have a question based off of that. So it being your first year, how was it, well, how was it the experience for you winning, but also how was it knowing that Coach Hutch was getting this win as well? Oh, I felt like I was really a part of something special. Like she's built this program up to be something so great. And just to be able to be in addition to that and help her move it forward in such a amazing direction. Um, yeah, I, I was so happy that I was able to help give that to her. I remember I was working, it was the second round of the NCAA tournament you guys played. I was doing the, it was the same night as the Women's Hockey Conference Championship because winner, everyone was playing conference championships, it seemed. But I just remember we were between periods, everybody in the, the press box, we had a, the game on the phone, just keeping track of uh, your tournament, which was, which was a really cool run. Um, yeah, but going now to, to you, um, since it's March and all the, the March Madness in the air, you got to play, you played Division One at, at Ryder University. Yes. And you got to play in a, a postseason tournament, the NIT um, with Ryder. And you actually scored your 1,000 point in that postseason game. Uh, what was it like to be able to play in a postseason tournament, to be able to score 1,000 points in such a big game? It was terrifying. It was absolutely <laughs> terrifying. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think I was – and we were playing Virginia Tech. Like my Tech. Yeah. At, at Virginia Tech. So we're in the middle of nowhere at Virginia Tech. <laughs> and I had, I think it was like 11 points left. I had no idea when we were like in the playoffs exactly how many points I was until 1,000 until our assistant AD came over and she was like, you know, like you could do this. I was like, all right, I'm, all right, cool. <laughs> like, okay. Thanks no for the update. <laughs> yeah, thanks for letting me know this now. Like good until the regular season. But I digress. Um, and the whole first half, nothing. I didn't score a bucket. I go into the locker room at halftime and I am just an absolute mess. I'm like, I'm going to finish this game. We're probably, you know, the way that it was going, it wasn't very positive. I was like, and I'm just going to fall short of a thousand and this is going to be terrible. And one of my assistant coaches, um, we called him sticks, took me aside and he just was like, get it together, get it together. I was like, okay, you right. And, um, you know, I went out and I scored and then I ended with a three. I took four threes in my entire career wow. at Strider and I ended with a three. In the, in the championship game, I took it against Quinnipiac and then there, I was like, okay, we'll just, we'll end it there. We'll just <laughs> take me out. I'm good. <laughs> no, but it was, it was crazy. Cause you know, not a lot of people can do that. And especially a post player who doesn't shoot threes and it's all layups and mid range. <laughs> so. It seems like when the, the lights are brightest, that's when you start making threes. 
Well, I'm not right? going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to yeah. say you're <laughs> <laughs> uh, And then also you got to play um, professionally overseas, played in France and in Germany. So I was very curious to ask what, what the difference was between playing Division One college basketball and then professional basketball, like the game itself. Like what were the differences that you felt? Well, just the style of play was a little different. So Germany wasn't too different. I was very much a, you know, bang in the post kind of a player. I love the physicality of the game. And Germany was pretty on par for that. Um, you know, there was, I would come out with like 10 bruises a game. I was like, all right, we're good. I love this. Thank you. Um, but in France, it was a little bit more finesse. You know, they wanted to do all the moves and then get around somebody and go to the basket. And so I didn't take too well to that, um, but I had gotten hurt. So my season ended a little bit early um, and that's when I ended up coming back. But also just the dynamic of being a collegiate athlete to being a professional athlete is you have people at college that hold you accountable for stuff. Like you have to be at these workouts. You need to go to the trainer. You need to do this. You need when you're a professional athlete, that's on you now. Your coach isn't going to hold your hand. Um, they're not going to tell you what to do. If you don't show up to practice, you didn't show up to practice. If you didn't show up to weight training, you didn't show up to weight training. And you just were not going to play. Um, and then just being in a different country, away from your family, away from your friends for almost a whole year, um, you know, was definitely interesting. You get a little homesick, but... Um, luckily my, my family did come out and visit, which was nice for them. Um, yeah. so that was cool. Just in connection with that, like last fall, I studied abroad in Madrid. Um, and I just know like for me, that was a great experience. I don't know if I would have been able to be a professional athlete overseas. I, I feel like, like you said, it's a lot on you. And especially when you're overseas, like you want to travel and stuff. So were you able to do some traveling while you're out there besides yeah. like besides with with your team yeah so um I was actually on the border of the Netherlands when I was in Germany oh, awesome. um so when my family came out we went to Bonn which is in Germany um you know we did all the sightseeing my mom is a planner she's a big planner so <laughs> she came out and she had like everything booked where we were going what we were doing um but then we went to Amsterdam and it was gorgeous that's one place, place I didn't I go to but. oh my goodness it was gorgeous we went to like we went to the letters we went to the Van Gogh Museum um, we went to the Anne Frank house mm. you know we did we did everything and it was just absolutely beautiful so being able to do that I, ha I also had friends that were playing overseas so um, I had another friend that was playing in Germany I would go visit him watch his games he would come up and see me and then when I was in France, we were actually a little bit closer because I was on the border of the south side of Germany. And so I would go and still watch his games too, which was nice. Um, but having, making those connections with other athletes over there, even people that, like my friend who I met that was over there, um, he played in the same conference as me, but he graduated the year before that I got to Ryder. So just, it's interesting to see those connections that you can make and everybody's bored like americans get bored over there like we gotta find somebody who speaks the same language as us you know it's so yeah. it, it's crazy the connections that you make which has you know made it a lot easier um you know coming back home and, and training and everything like that 
I have a question for for the the makeup of your teams overseas. I know you know with obviously uh, COVID happening last year, we got to watch our baseball fans got to watch a lot of Korean baseball, and they always mentioned that teams were allowed like only one or two American players. Was it different over there, or was it still the same? Like you can only have one or two American players per team. So it depends on the level that you're at. So for my level, you could have two Americans on the team, and I was um, second division. Um, and in France, I was actually still only the only American on the team, but I was also their first American. So they were kind of building up to that. But I know some, um, some of my guy friends that play on like some of the bigger leagues, um, they can have like four to five Americans on the team, but teams get around that a little bit by if you can get a dual passport. So my friend is also Jamaican. And you get a dual passport they actually put you in through the jamaican passport or anything like that and then you know technically you're another american in a body like that and but they can still get more americans that only have the single visa also get, getting into coaching was that something you always wanted to do was something that just kind of happened and how did you get all the way up here to endicott well um when i was playing my my coach would say i was a player coach Mm-hmm. So like I was always out on the court telling people where to go. This is what you're going to do. And you f- usually find that in a point guard. Like I'm a post yeah. player, like, like go sit down. And I was like, nope, this is what we're going to do. So um, it was always something that came naturally to me. Um, and when I was home for the summertime, I would coach a top level AAU team down in Jersey called Books and Basketball Academy. Um, they brought me on. I actually was training with one of their coaches before I went to Germany. And then when I came back, I was like, well, I would love to coach. Um, so they took me on. I traveled with them on the Adidas circuit and they had a phenomenal team. We had some girls who went to UCF, Duke. There's one that's at Harvard right now. Um, so they were just all over the place. And then when I was overseas and I got hurt in France, I was like, like, I, I don't know if I want to stop playing, but I think I'm going to apply to some coaching jobs. And I went on Indeed, I went on NCAA Marketplace, and I kind of was putting out like six to seven resumes like every single week. That's awesome. Um, and I actually have family up here. Um, my dad's from Stoneham. And so my grandparents lived up here, and I have a bunch of aunts and uncles that are up here, cousins. And I was visiting my grandfather. And I got a call from Coach Hutchinson. And she was like, hey, like, I'd love to set up like a phone interview. Um, And I was like, well, I mean, I'm up here. So I might as well just like stop in. Um, And she's like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, definitely. So I came in, we we chatted for a little bit. um, And then, you know, I just ended up driving back down to Jersey. And it was like, it had to be like two weeks later, she called me back and she was like, you know, I really liked you, really personable. I would love for you to come back up for, you know, a second interview. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is so cool. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. Because like, I don't, college coaching is really hard to get into if like your friend isn't pulling you along. Yeah. Like if you don't know the coach on the team, like it's really rare to find that in. Um, came back up, I had my interview with uh, A.D. Wiley and everything. Um, it was funny because when I was overseas and I was applying to jobs, I was in France, like I said, 
and I indeed would just send them out, like some of them out. Um, so I come into my interview, I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but I come into my <laughs> interview and A.D. Wiley puts my resume down and he was like, why is all of this misspelled? And I look at it and it was in French. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was like, that's actually in French. Here's my actual resume. Take this, please. <laughs> um, but then, uh, you know, like two weeks later, she called me and she was like, well, I just, you know, it would be great if you could come up and be a gal. I was like, all right, I actually already packed my bags and I'll see you in a little bit. So, um, but no, it's being a coach wasn't ever, like always what I wanted to do. I actually had no idea <laughs> where I was going to go after I was done playing. I knew that I wanted to stay around the game. Um, did I want to run camps? Did I want to be a trainer? Did I want to be in management? Like anything like that? I had no idea, but now being here and being able to learn and see everything, like I know this is like where I want to be. And then I have one last question for me. Okay. Um, in terms of coaching, what would be the most rewarding thing you feel so far um, from coaching? Aside from winning a championship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I said, I've kind of taken over the player development, but seeing the players that I work with take the stuff that we're, that I'm drilling them on and making them do every single day, applying that into a game and just seeing their faces light up when it works and they like get it, that's probably the most rewarding thing to me. Gary, you have anything else? I don't have any more questions. Oh, coach. It was a pleasure. That was awesome. We didn't have to have you on again because that was probably one of the, our best interviews we've had. With, oh my God, uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's going to do it for today. So make sure to like, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you have it. That's the ultimate goal. Uh, share it with everyone you, you know, you, you know, your friends, your mom's friends, your dog's friends, everyone that can get a hand on it. Make sure that they get their hands on it. This is, this is fun. We have fun doing it, and you'll have fun listening to it. So for Cody Shalafu, Jared Bright, Evan Alfano, and the ever-always-busy Coach Julia Duggan, thank you so much for coming on one more time. Thank you for having me. This has really been great. Awesome. Well, have a good day, everybody. We'll see you next week. Basketball shoes come off, dancing shoes come on as Emicon has clinched their spot. Now puts it up, and that's a goal! Shoots it up, he got it! Billy Arsenal, he got it!